The following is a continuation of the previous episode. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from scripture will inspire and encourage you. In the previous episode, we reviewed what we have looked at so far in Revelation. In this episode, we address some commonly asked questions related to the end times using the truths that we have discovered in this series. Using the entire Bible, from the prophets to Paul's letters, we explore the truth of the end times and what it means for our life on earth. In the final analysis, we are urged to be faithful witnesses and to not be afraid of death. Does Satan interested in serving? Yes, he's interested in you serving him. Is he interested in him serving you? No. But that's what Jesus came to do. I came to serve. Then rule. Service first, then rule. And that's what he's doing. He's qualifying a new group of leaders. Those who will serve. That's who he wants to share the throne with. So, when you think of it that way, it gets scary in a different way. So, there's a whole lot of things that come up like, wah, 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 how does this work kind of stuff, right? So let me just go through and ask some questions and answer them. Uh, First question might be, what happens to the believers who are not in this first resurrection in Revelation chapter 4? Well, let's go to Philippians 3.11. It might give us some clues. So this is Paul writing. And he says in verse 10, "...that I may know him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death." So does that sound like he, was, he wants to be a faithful witness and not fear death? It sure does, doesn't it? That's what I want. Why? If by any means I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now we know that Paul unequivocally states that every believer will be resurrected. That's 1 Corinthians 15. If you are a believer and you don't think there's a resurrection, you're, you're to be pitied because that's our whole hope is that we're going to be resurrected. But this word here is a different word. It's the only time it occurs in the New Testament and it's exanastasin. Uh, so in that exanastas, it's the out-resurrection. It's, it's a special resurrection. Maybe this is the First resurrection. And first is the Greek word proto. And it can mean first in line or it can mean most important. So you know that phrase, the first will be last and the last will be first? You know, if that means the first in line will be the last in line and the last in line will be the first in line, then it doesn't make any sense, right? But what it is is the last in line will be the first most important. And the parable that that comes from is the last guy to show up got the same reward as the guys that have been working all day. And Jesus is making a point is, I'm going to judge, and I may give the people who start way late in life and just finish well more than someone who is mediocre for all of his life. Okay, So that's very encouraging. It's never too late to start. That's a great thing. So this proto, this first, might mean the most important resurrection as opposed to the first in line. And in fact, the first in line doesn't seem to make a lot of sense because dead in Christ rise first and rapture has to have happened before this. Right? So there's some special resurrection that seems to take place for the overcomers, which would make some sense, you think. Yeah? No, so X is super additional, anastasis, extra resurrect. And clearly Paul, who believes everybody's going to be resurrected, 
sees this as something to attain. And how do you attain it? Be conformed to his death by sufferings. Faithful witness unto death. See that? Okay, so I don't think that one's a particular problem. It fits. So what about the believers who miss this? Oh, this one gets real uncomfortable. We've already covered it, but we're going to cover it again. Revelation 2.11. He has an ear to hear. And this is actually, um, let's just go back to 10. Do not fear any of those who, things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. That's on his outlook calendar. He knows it's going to happen. He's just warning him that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. So here are these people who are standing in the face of the fire of tribulation. He says, hang on, I'll give you the crown of life, and you won't be hurt by the second death. Well, we see in Revelation 20, 14, then death and Hades were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Well, so apparently this lake of fire can hurt. But... If that's hell, that's impossible to comprehend. But hell's been thrown into the lake of fire. If it's the face of Jesus, then it kind of makes sense. Because look at 1 Corinthians 3 with that in mind. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. Paul speaking again. And the context here is there's an argument among the people of who they're following. I follow Apollos. Oh, well, you're then you're you're a... You're a lowly because I follow Paul. See, Apollos baptized me. Well, Paul baptized me. Well, I was discipled by Paul. Then I'm better than you. And Paul says, you know what? You're judging based on something that's really messed up. What you should be worried about is not me versus Apollos. You should be worried about you at the judgment seat. Okay, that's what you should be worrying about. So that's the point here. Verse 11, no other foundation can anyone lay which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort of it is. If anyone's work on which he was built on it endures, he'll receive a reward. Nikeo, share my throne with me. A crown of life, that's a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss. You don't get the reward. But he himself will be saved. So this, we're not at issue here. None of this is at issue as are you a believer or not. That's not at issue. Well, who takes care of that? If we sin, what do we have? An advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. What sins were covered? All of them. For all time, past, present, future. We don't have to worry about that. What we're talking about here is the reward of life. What did your life matter? Who did you become? And what is your life going to be like from now on? And our choices have a huge impact on what that is. He himself will, su he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Now we have people that say, hmm, so, so you mean if I sin now, if I have death, loss, condemnation now, all of which are so fun, <laughs> then all I have to do is just stand in front of Jesus and have my whole life burned away, how long is it going to last? No, no. If you're asking that question, you don't get it. That's not the point. The point's not how long is it going to last. The point is don't do that. Don't fear death. Live a life that's completely the resurrected life. Put to death the old life. Live the resurrected life because this is where you're going to go. And just think about it as a possibility here. Jesus' face is, is here at the judgment seat. 
And if we have gold, silver, precious stones, what would that you know sun-melting light do to a diamond? It would just shine so bright that it would blind everybody. What would it do to gold? It would just purify it to the point where it was so beautiful that nobody could stand it. And what's it going to do to wood, hay, and straw? <laughs> so, suffer loss. Well, what does that mean? You mean we can suffer? Could we have remorse in heaven? Is it possible to have remorse in heaven? Well, we looked at Isaiah last time. Remember what Isaiah said when he's in the throne room and he meets Jesus? What did he say? Oh, man, I don't speak too good. I need to clean up my vocabulary. I'm a man of unclean lips. Man, I wish I could change that. No problem. We can fix your lips. Order up a lump of coal that's burning hot and bring it over here. Here, we're going to burn your lips off. Aren't you glad? I have my lips cauterized. That's in the throne room that that happens. So, yes, I think we, we're, we're still going to be learning. We're still going to be learning. Does discipleship stop when we get to heaven? Look, there's this idea of we're going to spend our lives in heaven. That's wrong. Who's in heaven? Where's this throne here? This great white throne. Where is it? It's in heaven, right? Who's there? Everybody. The wicked and the righteous. They're all there in heaven. Where are they all going? To the new earth. We're going to spend our eternity in the new earth. We get to talk about that really soon. And that's going to be awesome. We're not going to spend, we're not going to spend our life in it. I think of it as the, the, this image that we're given, which, by the way, comes from Greek philosophy, not the Bible. This image that heaven is an Alzheimer clinic with, with uh, you know, hymns piped in. You know, where I just... <laughs> Play my harp and drool, you know, the eternal drool. There's nothing in the Bible that has anything to do with that. We're going to be learning. We're going to be growing. It's going to be adventure. It's going to be excitement. Well, you may be thinking, well, if I'm not an overcomer, is it going to be excitement? Yes. Just Let's just peek ahead to 21.4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Is there going to be remorse? Yes. Is it going to last forever? No. Have you ever done anything bad in your life? Raise your head. No, you don't have to. (laughs) Were you remorseful? Did you learn and move on? You know, you wouldn't be here if you didn't learn and move on. If you think about it, do you still have a twinge? But then you say, you know, I learned. And you move on. If you had a wasted life, or you have bad things that happen in your life, things that you wish you could do over again, would you rather just erase the memory and go into the Alzheimer's clinic and drool? Or would you rather learn from it, incorporate it into who you are now, and then move on to life with all that stuff burn away and incorporate it as, you know, I wish I would have learned it on earth, but I got it now. Which would you rather have? You know, C.S. Lewis, I think, got this. And in his book, The Great Divorce, he depicts people on the edge of the new earth. And there's this guy who has a lizard that is on his shoulder. And this lizard is his victim voice. He's always a victim. All circumstances he can't overcome. 
you know, it's always somebody else's fault. He's always telling him, oh, you, you know, this is really horrible for you. And this angel figure that's talking to him keeps asking, can I kill that thing? No, no, I need it. I need it. I need it. They have this conversation. Can I kill that thing? Finally, he says yes. And he kills it. And it's the most painful thing that ever happened to him. And then the lizard turns into a beautiful white stallion and he rides off. Well, I think that's kind of what we're talking about here. And so we have this idea, well, okay, well, good. Well, then, then I want as much wood, hay, and stubble at the... No, no. No, you don't want wood, hay, and stubble. Look, keep going on. You don't want to be going into the new earth and everybody's... <laughs> smell like something. Yeah, no, you don't want to do that. That's not what we want. Verse 15, if anyone's burned, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know you're the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. So this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Now, is there any precedent for this that judgment fire would apply to believers? Well, absolutely. The whole Old Testament is full up. You failed me in the, in the wilderness. Yeah, why didn't you believe me? I would have given you something to drink. Why didn't you believe me? Ten times, he says. And then finally he says, you know... You're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. I'll take care of you the whole time. You want, you know, I'll give you clothes. I'll give, you'll be on welfare. I'll give you food. But you don't, get to, you don't get the inheritance. You don't get to go into the land. And I'm sure some of them are like, you mean we don't have to fight? Everything's free? Good. I'm good with that. I'm sure some people are like that. But, you know, they kind of missed out on the blessing of owning something, of being a part of something, of actually building something. That's, that was taken away. You know that Jeremiah 29, 11 verse that everybody has on a cross stitch on their wall somewhere? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm you. You know the verse right before that, the verses right before that are saying, so you're going to go 70 years to a foreign country and your whole country is going to be destroyed. Not probably, you know, a half a million people or so are going to die. But this is totally for your good. I have nothing but your best interest in heart. And everybody's looking at that now. What? That doesn't sound like my best interest. But you know, Babylon, who did the invasion, got the same treatment. They got invaded by the Persians. What was the difference between the two? When the Persians invaded the Babylonians, they were no more. When the Israelites got exiled, they were refined. They became the Jews we know today. That's where their scholastic tradition started. And they became the geniuses of the world in Babylon. That's what happened to them. And they were blessed, even though it seemed horrible. Well, that's kind of the way things work. So, uh, can we avoid the fire? That's a good question. The answer to that is no. We cannot avoid the fire. Now, interestingly enough, what we get to choose is which fire and which place. So let's look at 1 Peter 4.12. 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial. So the fire in the lake of fire is the Greek word pyr, poor. And this word here, fiery trial, has as, has as its root poor. It's a trial of fire. That's why they translate it this way. Don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. If something's strange... What does that mean it is? Unusual. Unexpected. So what should we expect? Fiery trials. 
can we opt out of fiery trials? Yes and no. They will come anyway, but we can just give in to the world. I'm sure all of you have experienced this in some fashion. The teenagers are going to go do something and everybody knows it's bad, probably illegal too. You say, or, you, or someone says, you know, I'm not going to participate. What do you get if you take that stand? You get rejection. You get exiled. You get death. You get death from that click when you, if you do that. And then they go and do whatever the thing and get away with it, and then they get away with it, and then they get away with it, and then the authorities come. And then you say, man, I'm glad I endured. So who got the fire? Everybody. You can either have the fire of the rejection and exile from the world, and then when the authority comes, say, I'm glad I did that. Or you can say, man, this is cool, I'm getting away with it, I'm getting away with it, I'm getting away with it, I'm getting away with it. And then the authority comes and you say, oh, I wish I hadn't have done that. that. That's our choice. We can either live a life as a faithful witness and not fear death. That's a fiery trial. That's going through the fire. Have it burned away here and now with this walk of faith. Or wait until you get in front of Jesus' face with a big bale of hay in your hand. That's the choice. All right. So here's another one. If I'm thinking to myself, I already have a big bale of hay. Is there anything I can do? Do I just have to wait till the judgment seat and just suck it up? No. We can actually burn our hay now. And here's how. Look at 1 John 1, verse 7. First, 1 John 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So if we're walking in the light, what do we all have? Sin. If you say you have no sin, you're kidding yourself, right? But if you're walking in the light, you just have sin, but you're not aware of it. We're blind to most of our sin. Isn't that an encouraging thought? It's reality, okay? The more you grow in the Lord, the more you realize, man, I'm not near as good as I thought I was, right? Everybody experience that? So if you walk in the light, he says this, hey, you're good. All the stuff that you hadn't come aware of yet, I'll just cover that over. No hay bale for you. I'm just covering it over. Just deal with what you know. If we say, well, I don't have any problems, you got a problem. And then verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, this is given to believers. The sin of separation from God's already been dealt with. That's done. That's a one, all you got to do is have enough faith to look like the snake on the stick and say, I, I don't want to be killed by snake poison. I look. That's all it takes to become a child of God. Because Jesus does that. That's a new birth. We didn't have anything to do with birth. It's just a gift. But what we're talking about here is becoming a fellow heir of the universe. Wouldn't you expect that to take a little bit of effort? Yeah. So if we say we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, what that means to me is if we say, look, I screwed up and I want to change, and then we change, then we've dealt with it here. How easy is confession, folks? I think it was Gus in Lonesome Dove that said confession's like a dry shave. It hurts. And confession, if you sit down with someone and say, I screwed up, I'm sorry. That's fire. It hurts. But here's the deal. You get, you get a choice. 
Do you want to do it now with your spouse or your friend or your cohort or whatever it is and get the pain out of the way? Or do you want to do it in front of the burning face Jesus with everybody watching? And by the way, you get a bonus if you do it that way. There's a bonus. Let's look at Hebrews 4. Verse 12, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So if we don't take care of it here, we get the bonus of all our thoughts and intentions being laid bare as well. In addition to our actions. Welcome to the judgment. So are you getting motivated to clear it all out now? Well, that's the point. The point is not how do we gain the system. I don't know how all these sequences... I don't know if there's one judgment or 50 judgments or two or three. I don't know. There's systems out there you can look at. They may be right. I don't know. I don't care. I don't care. You know what I care about? I want to be in the first resurrection and I want to be an overcomer. All the other scenarios you're not supposed to aim for. So how do we become an overcomer? Well, be a faithful witness until death. What does that look like? Well, I've got a couple other questions here. But I'm almost out of time so I'm going to have to pick one. Would you rather have have who judges and are we supposed to judge anything? Or would you rather have how do we know we're an overcomer? Who judges? Okay. All right, so who judges? This is a simple, this simple answer. Who judges? Jesus does. Are we supposed to judge anything? Well, yes, we are supposed to judge something. Look at Matthew 7, verse 16. You will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. So we're supposed to judge fruit. This is usually used by a preacher that's judging whether someone's a believer or not or something like that. Ah, but look at the context. Verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come into you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. So if you have a preacher telling you that they're judging you based on fruits, what should you suspect? Beware. That's the thing we're supposed to judge. Who to follow? You judge people's actions to decide who do you want to follow. That's it. That's it. That's the only fruit inspection purpose we're supposed to have. Who do I follow? What are we supposed to do with everyone else? Look at 1 Corinthians 4 or 5. So therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Because he's telling me, am I I supposed to judge something? And let's just go back and look at the context here. Because they're judging Paul. And he says, in fact, I don't even judge myself. I don't even judge myself. Do you judge yourself? Do you beat yourself up? Stop. That's all I can tell you. Okay? I don't judge myself. I don't know of anything against myself. Do you know of something against yourself? Confess. And then stop beating yourself up. Yet I'm not justified by this. Does that let you off the hook? No. Because who's going to judge? Jesus. Therefore, judge nothing before the time. We don't know why people did stuff. Look, everybody has a story, don't they? Just don't judge people. Is anybody going to get away with anything? No. Everything's going to be paid for, either by Jesus or by His face. 
Don't judge anything before the time until the Lord comes. He will bring both to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsel of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. So just don't worry about it. It's all going to... You see somebody... It's terrible. They're getting away. Nobody's getting away with anything. Don't worry about it. Don't be... Just confess what you know and walk in the light. That's the best you can do. Okay? You get the, you get the picture? And what does that all come back to? Be a faithful witness today with the role I gave you and let me worry about the rest. Look, I got, I got the future. You worried about the future? It's on my outlook calendar. Don't worry about it. You worried about your sin? Do what you can do. Confess it and deal with it and change. Let me worry about the rest of it. Okay? All the stuff you don't know, just let me worry about it. You worried about the judgment? I'm going to do the judging. Can you trust me? Can, would you rather somebody else judge? Okay, good. Well, then trust me. I got it. Okay? Do what you need to do with what you have in front of you now and be faithful. I got the rest. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah, he's in control. And we have these choices to make that change the world. Totally change the world. It's an awesome situation to be in. So let's begin with the end in mind. And what the end is, is everything's going to be brought to light except those things we've already taken care of. So what do we want to do? Take care of everything. And then be faithful unto death. Is it ever too late to start? No, the last will be first. If you need a fresh start, start today. It's a good day to start. We don't know how, how Jesus is going to judge all this. But does he want us to win? Absolutely. That's good enough. All right, I'm done. 45 seconds. Oh, you want to know that too? Tune in next time. Can you stand it? Yeah, you can stand it. God, thank you for this amazing uh, picture you've given us. Help us be faithful witnesses and not fear rejection and loss and all those things. Man, they hurt. I don't like them. They stink. I would rather avoid them all. But compared to what you've given to us, it's nothing. Help us really see that perspective because perspective is one of the things we can choose. Please give us that perspective so that we can live a life that's fearless and hopeful. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.